Welcome to series four of Recruitment Journeys, the podcast series in which we continue to pin down recruitment industry identities and leaders and we find out how they came from where they came from and how they ended up where they are today. As ever, we'll do our very best to keep the conversation candid and authentic in the hope to inspire, educate and motivate. My name is Pete Watson and I have a rec to rec business that's been kicking around for the better part of a couple of decades. And this is my own little way of helping the industry learn from others who have been there and done it. The fourth series of Recruitment Journeys is proudly sponsored by our very good friends of Vincere, the recruitment tech platform created by recruiters for recruiters and powered by the Recruiters Mentor Project. Check them both out at www.vincere.io and www.therecruitersmentorproject.com.au. Right, that's quite enough of all the corporate waffle. Let's crack on with series four of Recruitment Journeys. Ryan McCabe was, in his own words and own admission, a failed engineer, then a failing recruiter. But during his briefish foray into recruitment, he has a light bulb moment. With a wife seven months pregnant, zero evidence that his idea would even work, but blind and unwavering belief, he founded Odro and pioneered video technology for the recruitment industry. In today's candid chat, we talk with Ryan about the seven year journey so far of launching a tech startup from Glasgow, not the Silicon Valley, and how we set about getting the recruitment industry to start looking into camera phones all over the world. Hope you enjoy today's chat. Ryan McKay from Audra. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. And you're saying good morning. That's very accommodating to the UK guy. Good afternoon. <laughs> I know. Well, what, so it's it's well, it's not even eight o'clock where you are, and uh, you're 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 up and Adam, and I'm and I'm as I've just explained, sitting here drinking a Heineken Zero. So it's uh, yeah, I, I would right. very different. Oh, that's uh, well. That's I don't really have an option anymore. To be honest, I've got to do a shift before breakfast. But that's what, that's what kids you, does to you. You just mentioned you were up at five thirty. What were you doing at five thirty? Or is that normal? Is that your everyday? It kind of has to be, Pete. Like it's just it's kids. I've got three young boys, six, four, and two. So if I if I don't get up at five thirty, and you know I'm not going to get to go to the gym, or if I've got you know we've got customers all over the world. Yeah. I do this time zone. I'll sit. Don't get me wrong. I'll sit in my bed and do my emails from yeah. my phone. But I need to get. If I don't get that done in the morning, it just will not get done. Full stop. Wow. <laughs> so. So you, you have literally put in a shift before we're even speaking. Well, don't 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 let me kind of act all macho. Like I need to leave at half past four. I, I leave the office a lot of the time before before a lot of people because I've got to go and help with the kids dinner. And then I'll jump back on my laptop after bed. So like, it's not as if I'm I'm in here. I'm first in and last out. Like, I just I just time my day differently. That's all. Yeah. All right. So you're not doing a Kobe Bryant on us, where you're saying you're like you do a training session before the training session. You're not that bloke. <laughs> not that bloke. No. I just need to. My day just looks slightly different. It's just I go to my bed at nine o'clock at night and I get up at half past five. I get the same sleep as everyone else. Okay. People just never ask you that. So, so, well, mate, thank you so much for, for, for squeezing us in before your day gets started. I really do appreciate it. Um, welcome to Recruitment Journeys. Um, you're obviously in Scotland. Much. We're over here in Australia. Recruitment Journeys is um, a podcast that's uh, dedicated to the Australian recruitment industry. Very proudly, we're in our 
kind of third year, sort of fourth series so far. Congratulations. And, uh, Thank you very much, mate. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's good. It's a, it's a it's a nice thing to do, and it's uh, it's dedicated ordinarily, purely to the Australian recruitment industry, to to chosen identities, um, in the help to inspire, educate, motivate anybody out there in recruitment land who listens to somebody else's story and says, "Look, do you know what that resonates? I like that. I want a bit of that." Um, I reached out to you, Ryan, because I'm always interested in speaking to. Uh, I suppose entrepreneurs who create a thriving and successful business within the recruitment industry that isn't necessarily recruitment, right? You're not, you know, you're not placing people into jobs, but you do no. recruitment land is your, is your, is your playground. So we know we've spoken to guys like, you know, Sean from, from Hoxo, um, you know, the founder of Vincere, you know, the guys from Saucer, there's all kinds of wonderful, you know, different, different weird and wonderful businesses that, thrive off the back of the recruitment so usually usually text yeah. so i'm always keen to find out how this happened in your world because you were back in the day you were an engineer so that's you, right yeah you bounced into recruitment from what i can see for not that long before yeah a light bulb moment popped into your head about video content so um please i've already given you a bit of a uh, an introduction to to the listeners ryan but in your own words, would you tell us who you are and briefly what Audro does? Yeah, so I am, well, as you say, I'm a failed engineer, dad of three. I didn't say <laughs> uh, failed. I, I just said I'm a engineer. I, no, but my old boss did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm an engineer, um, dad of three from just outside of Glasgow, um, and I co-founded Audro with two of my business partners, and Audro delivers video technology to the recruitment industry. Uh, we believe in creating incredible connections between between candidates and clients. So that's what we do. Um, and we've been doing it now for seven years. There's almost 50 of us in the business and I love pretty much every day. <laughs> you love every day. Well, there we go. There we go. I said... Uh, I, I did caveat that with pretty much. <laughs> pretty much every day, yeah. Yeah, just like Wednesdays. Um, <laughs> I, I said at the beginning, look, you and I do we connect on LinkedIn and everything, obviously, but we don't we don't know each other. But I I do feel like I know you because of video content. You know that that's the power of video content; it, it creates familiarity, right? Um, yeah, that's right. And if you've got a happy-go-lucky persona such as yours, um, it, it makes people like you. Probably part of the reason I stopped doing videos because I I scowl a bit. But we'll, we'll come back to that <laughs> later. So, so mate, so mate take, take us back in time. You you were an engineer. How did an engineer, uh, failing or otherwise, find themselves in the in the wonderful world of recruitment? Um, I'm, I'll try and keep it as short as I possibly can. So, uh, I was a mechanical engineer for building services, and as I say, genuinely, I wasn't a very good one. But I used to be able to talk myself out of some situations that I would get myself in. So um, when the kind of time came where I was being told, look, you're not very good at this. You should try something else. My old boss said to me, who was fantastic, by the way, he said, you should try sales. Like maybe in engineering, you know, we think you'd be quite good at that. So I... Um, I was in engineering sales for a very short time, started working for myself, and I did pretty well. I was 21 when I decided to work for myself. Um, I've worked for myself ever since, I suppose. 
But when I was working for myself, I um, came across a recruiter who basically said to me that um, there was, you know, all of these customers that were paying them all of this money to just find people. And I phoned a recruiter who placed me in a job previously and I asked him how much he made on placing me. And it was over £8,000 and I was a 20-year-old and qualified engineer at the time. I thought, hold on a minute. What's what's this industry that I know nothing about? Yeah. So um, when I did pretty well for myself on the, the engineering kind of self-employed side in the first year, I went to Business Gateway, which is like a Prince's Trust, if you like, in Scotland, where they'll help young young people get into business. Mm. And I said, look, I've done pretty well. I've made a little bit of money in my first year. And I wanted to speak to other people who wanted to start up their own business, kind of young, it was young guys I was looking for at the time. And I wanted to just sort of um, you know, get to know other people at the same space and try and help them do what I was doing. And I met, I met a recruiter who said to me, I've got this big list of customers that I want to start myself, but I can't afford to take the risk. I don't have any money. I don't have any savings and I can't afford to not have salary. So I agreed to basically pay his salary for six months and maybe go into business together. And that was my first free into recruitment. So I learned everything. I learned everything about recruitment from that, from just going into it myself with no training or uh, no, no kind of big company training, no experience. I learned a lot from him and how we were going about things, which was really interesting to me. And I probably didn't learn a lot of the bad habits that you, you know, you maybe learn in the big corporates, if you like, back then. Mm. Um, so, but I was lucky that I managed to kind of find my own way so that was that was how I got into recruitment and I ended up working with a guy who was working for call who owned a call center and he was the difference between his call center and other call centers was that when they set an appointment for a customer they would record the call that they set the appointment on and they were the only company to do that at the time and that it gave the customer so much more trust that when they booked an appointment for the customer and they gave them the recording, it was absolutely unequivocal that this was a booked meeting. There was no lack of trust. It was all there. So they they were able to charge a lot more for that service. They were able to grow a lot easier. Um, and that was what gave me the idea to record the interviews that we were having in recruitment and send over the CV as well as the, the recorded interview of the candidate. Right. So, okay. So you were, as a recruiter, you were, and this was, uh, you know, a decade ago, almost a decade yeah. ago. You were yeah. experimenting yourself with video because if you heard this, this, this innovative call center model, so you yourself as a recruiter were exper ex experimenting with video. Okay. And where was, where was, I mean, LinkedIn 10 years ago was a very different beast yeah. to what it is now right people weren't putting on videos on linkedin rarely i would have thought no no we that that wasn't the original idea to be honest pete that wasn't the business idea that it was recording video interviews so when i was a recruiter i met my business partner um who's retired now my business, my business partner bill had built a legal platform that was it was there to help case management and actually to resolve disputes online and he built this thing 10 years ago and uh, and I met him at an event and he was showing me how the system worked and there was this little video element in it and he said you know you just record the meeting here you don't download anything now eight years seven eight years ago this was 
unbelievable. It was just yeah. Skype and go to meeting that you could use. And you just click a button and you were online. And I was like, wow, this, this tech's fantastic. But there was all this legal stuff around it. And I was a recruiter at the time. So I met Bill, had a good chat with him. And then nothing else kind of came of it, but I couldn't get it out of my head. So I phoned him about a week later to meet up again to talk about how to use some of his platform for recruitment. And uh, and when I was there, I genuinely don't know what came over me, but instead of saying, I'll buy a license, I said, I can sell this. I really think I could sell this. Mm. And it started a conversation between Bill and I that over the coming month, I made the decision to get out of re the recruitment agency I was in, um, go into business with Bill, split the company three ways between myself, Bill, and the software developer that was building the tech. Um <laughs> get a loan for a conservatory for the house that I never built, <laughs> stick it into the business and then press go and decided to take video interview, recorded video interviews into the recruitment industry. And that was that. That was all we did. We helped you record video interviews so that you could give your clients more confidence that this candidate was a good candidate. Well, okay. So, <clears throat> um, cool story, right? But, um, at what point did you sit there and go, right, what level of risk analysis did you go to? Because there was very little evidence that that, oh, there was this, none. that that you were onto a winner, that the that the industry was going to embrace it. Um, yeah. the, the only evidence you had, right, was the fact that you'd been playing around with it with, with presumably some reasonable success. But how did you know the rest of the industry was, how did you know it was worth quitting your other recruitment business to pursue? I didn't know. No, I don't think anyone knows, Pete. Like, that's that's the whole point. If you knew, then everyone would just do it. Like, if yeah. it was a guarantee and you knew, then it wouldn't be, probably wouldn't be as rewarding as, as it is to start a business. Um, the, the honest answer, if I'm being really truthful, is that it was blind faith from a 25-year-old guy who didn't really know what he was doing, but it was just really probably overconfident to just try and make something happen. So I didn't really have massive confidence, this big light bulb, this is going to change the industry. This is going to, there was none of that. My wife was seven months pregnant and I had to do something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was when I met Bill and I thought, I can't, I believe in that product. I believe in that outcome. There was no smoking mirrors. I could be proud to have a conversation with someone. But when I was a recruiter, I wasn't a very good one, Pete. So I wasn't that proud when I was going in because I knew what happened behind the scenes. I knew how lucky I was in some circumstances to just come across a candidate. There was no thorough process. I wasn't one of the, you know, kind of textbook, very well-processed recruiters. Mm. So I was going from that world, which I wasn't enjoying because I was not very good at it, right. to then going into this world of, I can believe in this. This makes sense. It solves a problem. Um. So it was a bit of blind faith, a bit of naivety being 25 and uh, and just a lot of commitment. And what were the early days like when you when you started taking the product or the concept, you know, the the idea to to recruiters? Um, did they were, were, were you faced with a lot of reluctance or did people just jump on board? Yeah, Um there was a, mi a mixture of both, obviously, um, but there was way more reluctance than um, than there was kind of people saying, oh my God, this is amazing. 
So in, in the early days, we compete we were competing against Skype. That so when we picked up the phone, our object main objection was why don't I just use Skype? Mm. So I mean, fast forward to where we are today, like we've just had to evolve every single year. But when Skype is free and Audro at the time was, you know, I don't know, five hundred pounds a month, mm. then we had a big a big journey, a big job to do there. Um and we had to then, it was really the methodology we were selling because the tech was very early stages. My business partner, Mark, built the technology that took us to a million ARR on the train to his real job. Mm. <laughs> that, that was how Audra was built in the early days. So, um, you know, we, we, there was months you don't take wages. I mean, there's a lot of months you don't take wages. There's a lot of months where you just, you don't win any customers. There was there was a lot of stuff like that. It's It's not been nothing straightforward. It's not as if, there was this great idea and all of a sudden it worked. You know, it, it didn't, it just took a lot of iterations. Yeah, so the, I mean, there's, there's, there's two, there's two, uh, there's two journeys that you're on, right? There's the, there's the tech startup entrepreneur flying by the seat of your pants journey. And then there's the, you know, trying to not change the industry, but trying to improve the industry with an idea that, you know, we're, we're not, we don't, we don't, we don't he's alien to us. I mean, I, uh, I can only speak from my own experience. I, I remember when I first started doing videos, uh, and I don't really do videos with, with regularity, but you know, I, I, I definitely appreciate the, the place that they have and I understand the power yeah. of them. I used to sit in, because I was in a shared office, right? And I used to sit in my car and I used to put the, um, the iPhone on the steering wheel of my car um, because I thought it gave me better acoustics. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And it, and it gave me privacy because <laughs> I was sitting in my car. It gave me privacy. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and you, you do it by 47 takes to do like a 15 second video. But, <laughs> but, but when you when you got it out there, you know, if you nailed it, if you were talking about something interesting, like the, 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 the feedback and the response, the cut through was brilliant. It, it's, to be honest, our timing was very fortunate because when we had no customers, I didn't know, I knew sales and I cared about sales and the craft of sales. I read books. I listened to YouTube videos with no podcasts at the time. It was, you know, watching YouTube videos from 20 years ago. Um, but I didn't know how to market a business. So all I knew was to tell the story. And I, I think I saw one video one time that said, just document your story as you're building it. We never had any customers, but that's what I did. I recorded a video and I put it on LinkedIn and I did it regularly. I didn't have a plan. It wasn't like every Thursday I do a video. It was just when I had something to talk about, I would record a video. Um, and then we sort of became that, that just became part of our brand, walking and talking, doing LinkedIn videos, which mm. wasn't really a thing. That was maybe five years ago that we started doing that, maybe six. And it wasn't really a thing, but it was very it was tied very tightly to what we were trying to do mm. it was video interviews we were selling but we believed in the power of putting a video of someone out there so it tied in really well and, and we were fortunate that it, it sort of accelerated our, our growth because as you said when we speak to people and they felt like they knew us so it was me and dougie for example he put videos out all the time and he became you know it was me and dougie that then became the guys that walked and talked on videos and um it just sort of, it just worked for us. Did the did the advent uh, and the, the ascension of 
of LinkedIn, did that did that help Audro on the on the growth trajectory? It absolutely did. I could probably attribute our first kind of three hundred customers to LinkedIn alone. Um, we didn't, we couldn't afford to go to market and events. We couldn't afford to spend ten thousand pounds on a stand and travel and events and expos. Mm. We could never do that. So everything we got in the early years was all organically through LinkedIn. We couldn't do paid ads. We couldn't do PPC. It was all organically through LinkedIn. So absolutely, we can hand on heart say that LinkedIn's growth absolutely helped us um, mm. achieve what we were trying to do. Do you, do you look back at your early videos and cringe? Or they cringe? Absolutely. I'll, I'll look back at my videos last year and cringe. <laughs> but you always do that. That's the thing. Although I actually really like the fact that they're out there because you can see the journey we're on. If you look back at anything that you've put up, I quite, I quite like the nostalgic element of it because... I mean, if you look, we've got a lovely office now and we've got lots of kind of creature comforts for everyone. If you look back four years, we were in an old choir uniform cupboard. That was our office. When we viewed it, it was rails of choir uniforms. That It was just a storage cupboard and we turned it into this tech startup office. Um, but then you, you look at all the videos of it and it was just, it was the energy that that little cupboard had yeah. that just propelled us onto the next thing and the next thing so I, I like it it makes me feel good looking back and yes you cringe but there's a bit of pride in there as well of, of everyone that was involved absolutely hey just breaking away from the conversation for one quick minute just to let you know that recruitment journeys is brought to you in partnership with vincere the new breed tech partner purpose-built for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide designed for agencies only and not hr Vincere is the secret weapon for progressive recruitment firms across Australia, New Zealand, and beyond. You can learn more about Vincere on my exclusive interview with their CEO and founder on Season 2, Episode 14 of this podcast. In the meantime, if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to accelerate growth and give your recruiters an edge over the competition, please visit vincere.io slash mint for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Now, back to the chat. So when was when was, when was the turning point, Ryan? When did you um, feel like, you know, the graft was paying off and and the penny was dropping and people were starting to get it? And I know it, I know it obviously isn't an easy ride and probably never will be an easy ride, but when did it become easier? Um, there's a couple of things. So it became... Um, it became easier when, well, there's, there's a few things. The first one is people. So hiring good people for us into the business. There's a couple of absolute superstars we've hired over the years in different departments that have just driven the business forward. It's not necessary, you know, people look at the CEO or the board, but, you know, the business is grown by the people at the coalface all the time. And it's their work and their, what they did on a Wednesday afternoon that contributed to this big press release three years later. Yeah. So I think hiring the right people, when you realize that I had a powerful team of people around me that wanted it and would graft and they'd be rewarded for it, but they would graft for it. That was the point where I realized I can take a day off and the business still moves forward. Yeah. And I remember that day I was sitting on my couch with my wife and I remember saying it to her, this is the first day that I've taken a day off and I actually feel like things are happening without me. So that was a good day. And that mm. kind of taught me a lot about what we need to put in place to make it kind of a lasting business. Um, 
but there's one point where I, I remember it. You can you can talk about the the financial metrics when we hit this number, when we hit that number, because that's always what I was focused on. But there was one day, and I and I felt that this was the time where I felt we're really doing something here. Was that um, I used to travel. I mean, at least twice a week, I'd be on a flight somewhere because I'm in Glasgow. So the world, you know, the, the UK market was in London. So I was either in London or Birmingham or Manchester or Leeds or somewhere. But I was driving up the motorway and I pulled into the service station for something to eat seven o'clock on a Thursday night just to mm. get a sandwich to get me home. And a guy walked past me in an Audrey hoodie. And I was like four hours from home. Like I was in the middle of nowhere and he never saw me, but it was like over the other side of the service station, walking away with an Audrey hoodie. And I thought, wow, that's like, this is it. Like we're doing something. That guy's wearing that hoodie with no, like walking about with our brand on with absolutely no knowledge that I'm in the vicinity or any reason to wear it. His work's not telling him to wear it. And I just felt at that moment that that was that spark. I was like, whatever this is, mm. it's working because he's proud to wear that hoodie or he's happy to wear that hoodie. And that was enough. So that was that was probably the, the if I look back on any day that was a turning point for me to know we were doing something. I know it's random; it's nothing mm -hmm. to do with usage or money or anything. But that one guy, I still don't know who he was, but that <laughs> one guy walking, don't know who he was. No, I never, I never went up and spoke to him. Um, I just he just walked out the door, and I remember thinking that guy at seven o'clock on a Thursday night in Southweight Services. <laughs> that that was the point where I thought. Yeah, let's let's do this. We're doing something here. So I love the fact that uh, Audro is is in Scotland, and uh, I love the fact that everybody on your videos has got thick Scottish accents. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just because I, you know clearly you, you just you just assume that once a business achieves some kind of success, they're just going to up six down to to London or, or even Manchester. That's that's clearly not on the cards, I assume. No, we've we've got the thing is with our business, there's more people outside of Glasgow now than there is in Glasgow. So our business um, has less Scottish people in it than than any other nationality. I think, I, I don't know if that's actually true, but it's certainly, it's certainly no more than half um, yeah. Scottish people in it now. So COVID allowed us to do that. So my business partner, Mark, and his wife, Vic, um, they are both from Norwich. And to help with the growth of Audro, they both up sticks, sold their house, moved to Glasgow and bought a house in Glasgow and lived here for three, two or three years they were here yeah. um, up until COVID to make sure that we were growing the business, that Mark was around, that, um, you know, we were just doing everything we could. And that absolutely was fundamental to us getting to where we are. But COVID hit and I mentioned at a night out to um, Vic who's Mark's wife, who's a software developer for us. I said at one point, you know, with this whole COVID thing, working from anywhere, you could probably move back to Norwich. <laughs> I think mm. four days later, the house is up for sale mm. and they went back home. Um, but that that was the start of us having a distributed workforce. Mm. So we've got, you know, our head of sales is south of London. Our head of customer success is Newcastle. We have senior account managers in Manchester, We've got developers in Newbridge and um, Cambridge and, you know, we're all over the place. It's all, um, we've got people in the UK, our QA team, our Rhoda and Julian, who are in uh, Manila in the Philippines. Erin, mm. um, our BA, lives in Switzerland. So we've got, we're completely spread out now, but we do have the hub in Glasgow where every quarter 
we will fly everyone in or as many people as we possibly can fly them in and get together, give a big company update, do some hackathons and some, you know, solve some problems together mm. and then go and have a big social. Um, but yeah, that's, so Glasgow is still the heart of the business, but uh, most of the business is now no longer Glaswegians. <laughs> so Mike, you, you, you mentioned COVID and uh, obviously it was, COVID was devastating for all of us for a period of time in, 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 in far more important ways than business. Um, but lots of silver linings came from uh, old mate COVID. I, I would have thought that your business would have benefited from COVID and, and what's, yeah, what's people, played out. Yeah, people, people do say that, um, but it's, it was really difficult for us. And I'll explain why, which it makes sense when I explain it, but um, a lot of people don't realise. When COVID hit, um, we... At a very high level, we saw usage go up 30x. Yeah. And we don't charge for usage. We have unlimited usage as part of our pricing. Yeah. So our infrastructure costs almost overnight went up six figures per month overnight, right? Wow. Couple that with the fact that we only serve recruitment agencies who are all struggling and not hiring. We had 40% of them phone us up and say, we can't pay your bill because we're not getting income. So we're just going to cancel our direct debit. So we lost almost half of our revenue and 30x their infrastructure costs overnight. So for months, we were in this position where we were, you know, huge in, huge outgoings and not a lot of, not a lot, you know, much less coming in, which was a very scary place to be. Um, genuinely, within the first month and I'm, I'm not alone here, right? We all felt it, but the, I thought the business was gone. Really? Genuinely thought, genuinely thought if this keeps going for another three months, don't know what we can do. Absolutely no idea. And we were bootstrapped. It's fine saying now that we've got BGF behind us and this big private equity house. We were bootstrapped up until that point. We had no investors. Well, we had 30 grand of investment early on, but that was it. So for us, it was, very, very scary. Fortunately, what it did do for us was make people more comfortable on video. So having a, a Zoom interview or a Teams interview or an Audro interview became much more acceptable. So over time, I would say if you zoom out, we did benefit from it. But those mm. first three months, four months were scary, very scary. Lots of sleepless nights? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. And and to be fair, that, that didn't like when sales started to pick back up and people started paying the bills again and things like that, like it, it didn't feel like it was over. There was like trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm listen, we've all got it. I don't want us to look as if, you know, Audro, you know, poor old Audro. We all had it. Um, so I know I'm not alone there, but when you're running a business and you're responsible for 40, 50 people's salary, their mortgage, their families, yeah. it's, it's very, very stressful, but you can't show that. You've yeah. got to, yeah. stand strong, have a plan, know what's going on. And I was fortunate that I had people around me that were also like that. So I had Dougie, even Ainsley, a finance manager at the time. I, I, remember, I, I don't know why I remember this so well, but we used to meet at half past seven every morning because of this kind of debtors crisis that we had. Mm -hmm. People just not paying the bills or what they would do is can't, a lot of people cancel the direct debit and then 
asked if they can keep using it because it, it was so important to what they were doing, yeah. but they couldn't afford to pay for it. So we had a lot of conversations like that, but we had well over a hundred debtors to deal with. And every morning, I remember Ainsley would come on, like towel still around her hair from trying to get the kids ready and get showered herself, going, right, I'll deal with these five. You deal with those 10. I'll deal with those seven. Me, Ainsley and Dougie, that's what got us through that period. So um, I'll be forever grateful to them for that. Yeah. Fascinating, eh? Fascinating. You you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Mate, it it was a truly fascinating time to be alive. Uh, for for, yeah. for good and bad reasons, I am. Um, yeah, we all had our own little dramas, and mine mine were nothing like yours. My on a on a minute scale, my business fell off a cliff overnight, and uh, I've got a I've got a the headquarters of a major supermarket literally down the road from where I live, and I heard they were looking right. for internal recruiters. So for the first time in 16, 17 years, I put together my CV, and I sent my CV to Coles, which is the same as Tesco's or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I heard you're looking for internal recruiters. Please, please pick me. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It was very, very humbling to send my CV to a supermarket asking for an internal recruitment job. And uh, and they never even got back to me. (laughs) I did not. (laughs) You'd think you'd have been the standout candidate. (laughs) Didn't even reply to the CV. Got totally ghosted. Thank God they did, though. Thank God they did. So, mate, um, what what, what advice? I, I think. I think a, a lot of recruiters are now embracing uh, the world of video technology and understanding the power of it and what it, what it can do for a profile in this, because uh, you hear quite often that recruitment is is as much about marketing and, and, and self-branding as it is sales. So a lot more of us have cottoned onto it. But what would you say, what advice would you give to a recruiter who is still a little bit camera shy? Um. Find, find a way that makes you feel comfortable. So, for example, you mentioned earlier on that you did the video in the car because no one was around. Yes, it was good acoustics, but it was private. You know, you don't, you're not going to have, you don't have to walk down, you don't have to walk down the street holding a phone in front of you in a crowd to record a video. You can go away into the kind of, you know, comfort of a quiet room or your car and record something really short. People think that you have to have a one minute, two minute, three-minute video you don't something raw something that's not overly perfect that you stumble you um you are you eh, like Mm. those things are endearing to the viewer to the right people so i would recommend something short something honest um and to be honest with you just giving people an insight into who you are not necessarily what you do i think has a bigger impact than people think yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, imperfection is is perfect. I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago, and and the fire alarm went off in my guest's apartment for about six minutes, and uh, <laughs> I, I left it in because I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. These things happen all the time. It's it's difficult because there's people out there that think I've actually got a friend that never gets going on anything because it has to be perfect before he presses go. Yeah. And he would have, honestly, I genuinely think he could have conquered the world if he can just accept 80% is good enough. Like, yeah. good enough is better than not done. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. People don't people don't appreciate that. Um, and if people wait until it's perfect, they just never get going. I know someone who said they wanted to record videos for LinkedIn. This was years and years ago, maybe 
maybe three, maybe say three, four years ago, and we were doing really well on LinkedIn. People knew us. I mean, probably still happens now, but I've been waiting in airports. I, I, don't, I can't count how many times someone's come up and said, oh, Ryan from Audro, how are you? Mm. Just because of LinkedIn videos. So when this was happening, I had a friend that said, I'm going to do that. I said, oh, great, good for you. If I can help you, just let me know. Mm. And he spent £700 on a DSLR camera, 150 quid on this mic, 100 quid on these lights, 50 quid on these, you know, kind of foam squares for his wall for sound quality. <laughs> and, I, and I'm waiting weeks and weeks. and I've never seen a video from him. He never, ever made a video that he was happy enough to release. Yeah. And he didn't believe me when I said, pick up your phone and record your face. Yeah. Like that's, that's all you need to do. So yeah. I think people can overthink it way too much and never get started. And they leave so much on the table by not doing it. Yeah. Curious. What is, what is the name? Audro come from? <laughs> Remember I said that uh, my business partner had built a legal platform yeah. to help resolve disputes online. Uh, Audro stands for online dispute resolution organization. You're kidding. But, no, so I said when I went into business with Bill and Mark, I said, right, we've got things a bit like imperfection is perfection. I'm like, look, I need to get some sales in because we don't have a lot of time to pay wages to take any money. So we'll deal with the name later. I will change the name, but I need to just sell some stuff first. And then it got to the point about a year in, I thought, right, let's change that name. And I realized it was way too late. <laughs> so we just stuck with it. And that's it. So yeah, our name has nothing to do with what we do now. It is Online Dispute Resolution Organization. And as Bill will attest to, we have never resolved a dispute in our lives. <laughs> that has to be the most boring, boring name in the history of life. <laughs> I know. Audro is the antithesis of that though, isn't it? <laughs> I, uh, I thought you were going to say, oh, we you know, we paid this, uh, this branding company a quarter of a million dollars to come up with it. But no, <laughs> no, we really, we really didn't. No, so uh, yeah, no. that's the that's the Audra story. No one ever really knows. That's the thing. No one can ever uh, guess either because it's nothing to do with what we do. <laughs> well, the thing is, even even if anybody listens to this and and they and they hear this and they remember it, they'll very soon quickly forget because it's it's a very forgettable. Uh, I know, mate. What's uh, what's next? What's what does the what does the future look like for Audra? Um. We're really excited because we're starting to kind of really invest in technology out. So it's not just video, right? Video for us was a big thing. Um, but actually it was what video enabled for us that we cared about. So we we kind of started a bit of uh, looking at the whole recruiter journey and we call it the Incredible Connections Framework. So we have a framework that was built that goes from the initial business development call to win the role or connect with the candidate all the way through the interview stages, the offer stages, through to aftercare, document collection, referrals, business growth, all of this sort of stuff in a framework. And we've applied a bit of our technology suite to every stage of that process with a case study, with a metric, with an improvement. So that changed our view completely. And this is what I meant about the product person. That changed our view completely to say, wait a minute, we don't just solve this one problem. Our customers have found their own way to improve their own systems and their own metrics by applying first tech at different stages. And that opened their eyes to saying, well, if we, instead of looking at it through a video lens, let's look at it through the, the eyes of the recruiter. This part of the process is a problem. How do we solve that problem? So our technology is going to get a lot broader. 
um, we're going to take it to different territories, the US initially, um, just to help. So, um, so it's really exciting for us. I can't really say too much more. But I don't expect from us. Right. Thank you. Uh, per- perfection. At a time when uh, we were getting to the end anyway. Can you yeah, still I can anyway? still hear you. So at this point, <laughs> hey, at this point, uh, I will say thank you this morning before your day's in started. Congratulations on a wonderful business, keeping it in Scotland, keeping it local, mate. And uh, I look forward to seeing more videos, courtesy of John LinkedIn or all over the world in the future, mate. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks a lot for having me on, Pete. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks, Ryan. Take care, mate. Bye bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Recruitment Journeys. Now. Whilst we are very passionate about bringing to you inspirational stories from the recruitment industry, our day job, our bread and butter, if you like, is recruitment to recruitment. That's what we do. So if there are any recruiters out there listening to this podcast who are thinking about their next chapter um, and they just want to have a confidential chat about what's going on in the marketplace in their respective cities, please do not hesitate to reach out in the strictest of confidence. Call me, Pete Watson, on 0432-666-701 or drop me an email at pete at mintrecruitmentgroup.com and you will find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm all over the place. Thank you so much for listening and hope to see you again.